First, I'd like to thank uh, Tara and, and Elliot Blumenthal for opening up their home. I had such nice things. It's so nice to learn. Mm-hmm. Comfortable. I got this little stand. And so. These little things make make life pleasant, you know. Yeah, it's fun. I don't know. It's good. Um, it's very much appreciated. You should have simcha, nachis, and brach in every room. We're learning Vilvavi Mishkan Avna on page Ayin Beis, Oisadik Beis, the middle of the page. I know that there are probably some mothers here who are doing homework tonight. I'm, I'm assuming, and future mothers who will be doing homework. So you remember that having to do homework is not so much fun. Our own homework. And maybe it's even less fun having to do it with the children. And less than that is doing it for them, right? <laughs> but, but really, even though there's been tremendous opposition by children and <clears throat> by children for many, many years to the whole institution of homework, the truth is that every teacher knows that it's invaluable. It's very, very, very important. And one thing that we all, as we finished school, we were relieved that there was one Indian that we wouldn't have to return to. But the truth is that in order to be an Ovid Hashem, in order to serve Hashem, a person has to do homework. It's not enough just to learn something, to learn a cipher, but to hear a shir, and to just be there at the time and to walk away, not to, not to work on, not to do homework. This tzaddik, the author of Bilvavi Mishkan Avna, gives us assignments and he teaches us he teaches us how to engage in certain exercises that will help us integrate these very 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 important and basic teachings into our everyday lives and therefore this part of the of the this section of the sefer where he reviews some homework exercises and assignments with us we can do quickly we can read through it quickly but of course it's a matter of each individual's avida to try to do the homework and to apply these instructions to our daily lives so to make this a relevant part of who we are as we've been saying from the beginning the ikr of this sefer is not some insights and new ideas. That's not the, the ikr. We've been hearing that all of our lives, and we'll continue to Hashem to hear for many more years, years to come, new insights in Torah. This is really an attempt to apply the basics of our Muna to our daily lives. So on Sadiq Bey's, he says, Zu ha'adam. This is our work. This is the avoid of a Jew. We're talking now about Hashgacha Pratis. About belief in Hashem's involvement in our daily lives. The site of this, the, the foundation of this belief is that even though it appears to us like there could be many causes and secondary causes and so on that bring about certain things in our life, the site of this belief in Hashgacha Pratis and Hashem's personal Hashgach is that everything in life 
no matter what, no matter what it is. And that's why he talks about even simple mundane things. There's only one kaveya. There's only one force in our lives that's kaveya. That only one. Halahu yechidu shalaylam is the only one. Hashem. So now we're going to do some work, exercises, meditations that we can use practically to bring this closer to our lives. Since the beginning of the Sefer, the author, the Tzaddik, has, has fought, is fighting, and repeatedly going over this Nakuda. That we mustn't allow I, that we mustn't allow Yiddishkeit to remain in our, in our minds. We have to draw it into our, into our hearts, into our lives. It's not enough to know something with one seichel. That the Ratzon Hashem and the Tachlis of our lives is that we should feel, we should feel these truths deeply in the in the pnimius. Of our hearts, zu avadaso shel haadam. This is the avoda of a person. Levat lasamachshavat chila, to try to remove a certain way of thinking from our minds. Olach mikenes ahagasha, and to try to to try to also to ultimately remove that hagasha, that feeling that this thought has caused us to have a certain feeling. What shehu balabayis boilam. That the person is himself the balabayas over his life. That we're the balabatim. That we're the masters of our own fate, of our own destiny. That we run the show. That we're in control. And since that's something that's driven into our minds by every single advertisement, every single show, every single poem, every single song, every single thing that, we, that we've been fed, that we've heard, that you're the balabas over your own life. It's very hard, even when we even when we we learn that that's not true, and that there's a yichidus shalom, that there's a rabbanu shalom who runs the world. It's so hard that we should feel that. That's why we get. That's why we become very very nervous and upset about certain things. The the other day I mentioned in the chabura we're learning on erev Shabbos. So one of the you know we were talking about in the chesidus on Monday we were talking about. This year's site about how those who have been learning, there are some here who attend the Chassidus year Monday morning, with the Balatanya, we we're learning the Mimer from the Balatanya, where he's explaining that when we say the words, right? what does it mean, It means the, the typical translation would be, we, we thank you. Rabbi Shalom, we say in the morning, you gave us our souls back to us, you gave me back my neshama, Maida. I thank you, Maidani Lufanach, I thank you. But the Tanya explains that it's really much deeper. The Tanya says that the word Maidan, those words that we use in davening and benching, Maidan doesn't just mean to give thanks. On a simple level, it means that. But in the, in the terminology of Chazal, of the Gemara, the Tanya explains, Maidan Chachamun Lerabmeya. What does that mean? So those who are learning this Maimah know that Maidim Chacham Le'Rabmeya means that when you have a disagreement, there's a disagreement, and Maidim Chacham Le'Rabmeya means, that, in other words, there's no argument in Halacha between the sages, the Chacham and Rabbi Meir. And the Gemara says, Maidim, at the end of a long disagreement, an argument with each one trying to prove its side, finally the sages are Maidim to Rabmeya. In other words, that they that they submit to the view 
and they resign themselves to the truth of Rameya's opinion, and they let go of their opinion. That's what it means in Chazal. Maidim chachamim So too, there's an ongoing dispute between heaven and earth. And we're going to talk about this more in the Matzah Shabbos in a few weeks also. There's an ongoing disagreement between how to look at life. From our perspective, this world is the main thing. So if you're going for an interview, for a job, the guy that's going to determine whether or not you're going to pay next month's mortgage or rent is the one who's interviewing you. And, and there's a pacha that a person has, there's a fear that a person has. From the perspective of this world, this is a world that was created from nothing, and this is the world of something. The spirituality is something, it's nothing. It's something ethereal, it's something mysterious. I never met God. So I make decisions in my life, and my emotions are most profoundly affected by what? By things that I see and feel and hear, things that are happening in this world. From the perspective of Hashem, it's just the opposite. This world is not something created from nothing, but this world is nothing that's created from something. In other words, this world is nothing. All of these things that seem to us to determine the outcome of our lives, whether we're going to have a panacea, children get married, not, all of these things which we take so seriously from the perspective of the only one of Hashem, this is ayin, it's nothing. And the true yesh, the true reality is, davening and learning and mitzvahs and ruchni, that's the true reality. So, the disagreement between man and God is how does one look at one's life? So we were talking about this, and one of the chavim came over and said to me, but Rabbi, it's very obvious, of course, we know that that's the most important thing. So I said to him, really, does that mean you never get angry at, 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 your, at your wife or your kids? You never, you never lose your temper? So he smiled and he understood that what, that, that what I was saying is what we're all struggling with. Even though we intellectually know that the Baruch Shalom is right, and officially, we admit, we throw up our hands in defeat, and we admit that this world is not it. You're the one that you're the one that runs the show, and what we think is what we think is reality is bechlal not reality. But still, afal pichen is very hard to draw that into your heart that you shouldn't become affected by this world. You shouldn't become affected by this world. You shouldn't let something cause you to get depressed or angry, upset. You shouldn't be influenced by things of the world. Only by things of the spirit. Which is the true reality, which is Hashem. So to be able to change that perspective and to live with the true reality of, of what? That Hashem's mitzvah, Hashem's being is yesh, is really it. And what we think over here, what we see, this is really I. It's not it. That's something that requires a tremendous amount of homework, of avayda, because we're not used to thinking that way. We're used to thinking that, that our decisions, our, the, the outcomes of decisions, and all the consequences of my decisions, it all has to do with me. So we're the balabatim, we're, we're the ones that are in charge. We're the ones that are in charge. So we'll make unbelievable, unbelievable hishtadlas. We'll put so much kaychas into certain things. Then we get upset, we get frustrated, we get angry. Because we don't really, 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 in our hearts, believe that Hashem is the balabayas and that the results are always up to God, never up to us. You could try something, you could work at something. You could prepare for the interview. You could do, you could do everything and make, and make a normal effort to try to get the job. But if in the end, 
If in the end the guy that's interviewing or the, you, or the lady that's interviewing you didn't like, you know, the way that you uh, the way that you moved your, your head or something, and because of that you lost the job, that has nothing to do with that has nothing to do with 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 any other person or anything in the world because the results are completely in Hashem's hands. But to let go of that and to feel inside of us that we're not the Balabatim and this isn't it, that that requires tremendous work, and that's what he's talking about. This is the avoidant, to first try to correct the mistaken thought. First you have to work on the way that you think. Is there something faulty in the way that we're thinking? Is there something wrong in the way that we think? So a person has to first correct the faulty way of thinking. And then, once you have the correct way of thinking, then you have to work hard, you have to work hard, to that new way of thinking should affect the way that you feel. Anybody that has any kind of, of a deep-seated fear, whether it could be a fear of strangers, it could be a fear of the darkness, it could be a fear of flying, it could be a fear of heights, it could be an anxiety that comes with being uh, you know, in public. There are, all kinds of, there are all kinds of anxieties, and people suffer terribly, terribly from them. So if you go over to somebody you say, and you say, you're afraid, you're afraid to go on an airplane, so I haven't gone on an airplane my whole life. Why are you afraid? I'm afraid, and the person starts to say, usually they'll say, I don't know, I'm just afraid, but then they'll say, you know, it could this, it could that, and the plane's up in the air, and my question, and you tell the person, you tell the person, but you know that statistically, you have much, 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 much higher, uh, much greater chance, God forbid, of getting in a car accident, much greater chance of being killed in a car accident than in a plane crash. Okay, so you can go home and everything's fine. But you know that it's not. Just like you, you could take a person to a dark room that's afraid of the dark and turn on lights and say, you see, everything's okay. What are you worried about? What are you getting, everybody, what are you, what are you getting so nervous about? But even though the person knows intellectually that that's true, every, every psychologist knows, and, and anybody who's, who has an anxiety or fear knows that, that just that you know it intellectually is not going to take away your fear. It's something that requires tremendous avoid and discipline. And, and you have to repeat, oh, which we're going to talk about over and over again. And there are exercises that a good therapist will assign the person to help the person get over that fear, that anxiety, whatever it is. Same thing, somebody, somebody drinks too much. So you say, look over here. He says, if you, drink, you're gonna, if you drink too much, you're going to die early. You're going to die young. Don't you love your family? He says, yes. So stop drinking. He says, okay. That doesn't that doesn't work. That doesn't work. I mean, there 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 are very few people that could work with. They say about the Babur Rabbi, the last Rabbi, the one before him, Naftol Shlomo, you know, the Babur Rabbi, that that he, like many of the tzaddikim and many Jews of the of the last they were smoking a lot, and the Babur Rabbi also smoked, and it was and it was at the time when they just started to come up with. Uh, that the, the researchers were finding out that, that cigarette smoking is dangerous. That was it when he was in America, and he and he and he went into the doctor, and uh, for a regular checkup, he was by the doctor. The doctor came to him, whatever I guess, and and uh, and and, he, and the and the rabbi from that moment stopped smoking, and they asked him, and, and, and the rabbi said the doctor said that it's not healthy, so I stopped. Now, most people are not like that. Most people are not like that, right? When it comes, just think about when it comes to something like like dieting. When it comes to our eating habits, it, it's a it's a multi-billion-dollar industry. Industry, not eating, to tell people how not to eat, is is a billion-dollar industry. And you have people, especially especially women, not just women, but especially women, that they 
that they have unbelievable, unbelievable sadness and depression over their weight. And and they and and someone says, So don't like this is my father's therapy always my father says, So stop eating so much. <laughs> no. So so you say, But daddy, you know, my sister was in these and yonim. So my so my father would say, Stop being so my sister says, Daddy, you know, so it's not so partial, but my father's like that. If something's not good and I tell him so he just stops. So so he would say to anybody, if you're doing something that's bad, stop doing it. Once you understand that it's bad, then don't do it. But you and I know that very few people can be that way. Even if you know something is bad for you, what about a virus? We know a virus is bad for, are bad for us. We know Lush and Harvest is bad for us. And you hear you know, a million speeches about this is really bad, and all horrible things that happen. So it's not enough to know something, of course. It has to, the avoid is that it should become a way of feeling. And in order for that to happen... There need to be specific assignments and exercises which he discusses. So the first thing is to, to correct this mistaken way of thinking that we, that this is it, that we're the balabatim, that we're in charge. But that's not necessarily going to prevent you from getting angry when something doesn't go your way. You're, you're still going to get angry, even though intellectually someone will come over and say to you, what do you think? you think that you're in charge of when the train came? So what are you getting so upset? Or do you think you're in charge of whether or not you got the job, you didn't get the job? You're not, you're not the balabas. So you say, I know that, but... And then all the three dots that each person has, why I'm disappointed, why I'm depressed, why my life is horrible, why I'm... Even though you've just prefaced it by saying, I know that God runs the world. However... But the howevers are, are making our lives miserable, right? And the I know is like in tiny little, tiny little letters. And the however is like however. And, and we have to turn, we have to change that. So in order to do that, he says, We have to correct our, first we have to correct our faulty way of thinking that we're in charge of, that, that, that a human being is in charge, that he has, that he has the ability to be shoyle, to rule over reality, over the world. Then ultimately our avoid is to uproot that feeling, not just the incorrect way of thinking, but the emotion, that feeling. To go searching for it, to destroy it. For any hargosha, for any slight little feeling. That I'm shaylate, that I rule over over this world, that I'm a balabas, I'm a balabayas over anything that happens to me. Ulavat lakaroi, and it has to be nullified like chametz mamish. Adeshayachush beemes until slowly a person begins to feel, not just to say, but to feel. Shein bishlitaso klum that he has he has no control of anything. Which doesn't, as we're going to learn, doesn't mean if, that, that when a person says I, I have no control of anything, doesn't mean that you know that you that you you know that you say to your uh, husband, you know, I'm sorry, there's no point in trying to clean the kitchen since it's not up to me, <laughs> or you know, or you say to your children, good luck, you know, good luck growing up. There's no tachlis, you know. I'll see you by the chuppah, and I uh, hope everything works out. You can't. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean to abandon ship. It means that because of the Ratzon Hashem that we make Heshtablis in these things. And these are all areas of mitzvah to, to take care of a home, to take care of a family. It's our Vaidus Hashem. And the Baruch Hashem wants us to put our Kaychus in. However, the difference would be that if you did your best to, to clean the home and then something came up important 
and, and it was and it was more important that that child be taken care of. It was more important that you went to help a mother or a father that needed you, whatever it might be. And then and then you come back and you see that things are not are not the way that they should be. That you don't make yourself crazy. You don't make yourself miserable. That look oh, look I have no my house and what's going on. You did what your avoider was at that moment. Your avoider was not. Your avoider at that moment was not to take care of the, uh, to clean up the toys of the kitchen. Your avoider was to go to your to your father who needed you, your mother who needed you. It's your avoider. And of course, these this is the main, this is the main avoider of our lives to to be able to to be able to let go and to accept the rotsna hashem. And it's very hard for us because we we want to be in control. We want to be in control. I just had. It's such an interesting thing that I never knew this. I never knew this. There's a situation where there's a where there's a baby, and the baby refuses to eat when the mother gives the baby to eat. Did you ever hear this? The baby doesn't eat, but when other people give the baby, it's fine. They're not the mother. So I asked, "What's going on?" So she spoke to the doctor. I never heard this in my life. She spoke to the doctor. The doctor said it's a control thing. A little bit. I'm talking about a year old, a year. That the baby with his mother, the baby has to be a shtikla balabas. You understand? Because this is the lady that is like, I, I'm. I, what do you think? I need you for everything. So I, I don't need. I don't. I'm not. I'm not a cobble from you. The food. It's an amazing thing. I don't know if it's true. It's an odd thing. You know, I said, why don't you try some ice cream or something? We'll see if it'll be a big balabas, you know. <laughs> Give him something instead of the horrible, you know, uh, mush. Give him some ice cream or some chocolate. You'll see he'll let go of his malchus for a piece of, a piece of chocolate. But she didn't, she didn't agree with that. But anyway, the, 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 that, that, that need to control is something that starts, it seems, from a very early time in life. And especially if a person was raised in a home where he or she had no control. No control. There's a very strong key from the parents, <clears throat> very hard in the house. So a person feels that he or she has no control over his life. There is a deep, deep sugis in the human soul of what a person needs to have that control and to feel I'm a balabas and to feel that my whole life it was taken from me and now I have to submit to it. And in man's relationship with the Baruch it's also. A person needs to feel that he's in control. That's not just with his parents. He needs to feel he's in control. Right? Sometimes, you know, a parent feels that anything that I think is good for the kid, the kid does that because of Does that because the opposite. But if somebody else says to the kid, you know, some, some friend, some silly little friend says, well, you know, so then no, that's, that's Taurus Maisha, it's like my Sinai. But if a parent says that it's, it's not anything. So there, there's this, why? Because, because there's this thing about, I'm the Balabas. Don't tell me what to do. So this carries over into our relationship with Hashem and everything that we think about and how we live. And it's so hard to be mavatal this. She'ein bishlitoso klum elazulas knias yirashamayim. The only thing that's in a person's under in a person's reach that we have any control over is acquiring the fear of God, meaning serving Hashem. That's all. That is the point of our free choice. 
as Chazal tells us, and everybody knows how kol b'day shemaim chutz shemaim. Everything is in God's hands except for the fear of God Himself. In other words, except for our relationship with Hashem. That is the point of free choice, and even that. When one learns this from Akadoshim, one realizes that there are certain limitations with that as well, which we're not going to go into. Obviously, if a person is born in a certain family, in a certain place, you can make yourself crazy. How come I'm not like that Sadiq? How come I'm not like that Sadiqus? That's also a matter of you feeling that you're out of control because you want to be like that, you know, you shall me that, uh, or that, you know, some person stands by Rabbi Shimba Yechai for 14 hours crying, and, and, and you're not like that. That wasn't your, that wasn't your upbringing. And the Baruch had a specific reason and a need for you to be born in that home in that place and even there there are certain things that are not the point of your free choice and there also you have to feel that this is not a matter of my control I just do I do my best but one has to be honest with doing one's best but not to be not to be crazy about somebody else's point of free choice it's not mine that's his business, this is my business. I'm not making myself mishugan where that other person is holding in their Avadis Hashem this is my Avadis Hashem finished with the exception of serving Hashem, everything is is nikfa is established, is determined only by the only one himself, the Bhishlam. Now that Pasuk, of course, is telling us that even though you know something, v'yadata hayoyim, as we've been learning throughout the Sefer, that's not enough, the tachlis is v'hashevoy se'el v'avecha, to draw this knowledge, this information into my heart. Zo yisayi v'shayi s'tuz kol mahalach That is the foundation and the root of all of our avaydas Hashem, taking the ideas and drawing them into the heart. And we need to know how to do that. How do you make something part of you? How do you make something integrated into every single part of who you are so that it mamish is something that you feel? Something that you feel. Right? If somebody, like he explains in one of his other swarm, that if somebody if somebody goes over to you, or if somebody, if somebody asks you to, to, to describe the table, so there are different ways you could describe the table, but all of them are with using your senses. So you see the table, so you describe the table, or you touch the table, or if it has, or if, it, or if it's a certain kind of a wood or a plastic, you could smell it. These are the senses that we have to be able to to be able to uh, describe and to sense things that are outside of us, right? So if someone says, "How do you know that there's a table in this room?" So if the, if with God's help you're able to see, you say, "I mean, I see the table." But well, what happens when somebody goes over to you and and um, and says to you and says to you, "Do you have a leg?" And you say, "Hold on a second, I'll check." Mm-hmm. And you, and you know, like you, you say, "Baruch Hashem, I have a leg." Or what if, or what if somebody says, "Do you have a leg?" And you say, "I heard from my grandparents. <laughs> I heard from their grandparents that they received the Messiah. All that goes back from my seen that we have legs." That's, that's very sad, because if a person has to say that, it means what? It means that they don't feel that they have a leg. You see, you could see something, but seeing or hearing or smelling, tasting, touching, that's something which is outside of yourself. But if somebody, if somebody asks you, do you have a leg, a foot, then the answer is, of course I do. And the question, how do you know that? Not because somebody told me, or not because I see it, or not because I, it's, but because I feel it. Because I feel it, because it's part of me. 
That's what Yiddishkeit was meant to be. Not just something I heard about. Not just something I, I have to look and to see, you know, the proofs in, 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 in nature, in the Torah, you know, codes or different things, whatever it might be. The Rebbein is something, the Tachas is that, that the Rebbein is, is so much a part of you that you feel him. The same way that you could feel that this is your own heart, it's your own leg. There's no meaning of proving it. If you have to prove it, it means that, God forbid, you're paralyzed. You don't have any feeling in your leg. And then you have to say, of course I have a leg. And the person says, how do you know that? How do you know that? So you say, I, I, I can show it to you. Come here, I'll show you how to like. I know that because I see it. Or I heard that I have one. That's a person who, God forbid, is paralyzed. Who doesn't have any feeling, or God forbid, even worse, that the leg was cut off, it's amputated. And he's just lying next to him on the bed. But if a person's leg is attached, and he's healthy, then he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to have proofs. The whole Indian of proofs, is, is the whole Indian of proofs is only when a person doesn't feel that that reality. The tachlis of being a Jew is that is that that the Shalom that Hashem is not is not something that a person heard about or knows about because of anything external, anything that you feel, anything that you see or that you sense outside of yourself is by definition something that you don't feel. That's why you can only relate to it by seeing it or hearing or something like that. But if it's you, Mamish, if it's you, so then you feel it. So the Baruch Shalom said, Sur Levavi, Chelki, Elokim. Sur Levavi means the Baruch Shalom, you are my heart. Like Chazal say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Liban Shayisrael. Sur Levavi, it says in Pesach, you are the rock of my heart, you are my heart. Elokim, you're my heart. You don't. You have, someone has to tell you that you have a heart, or someone has to prove to you that you have a heart, or show you a picture of your heart. The you're my chelik. You're in me. I'm I'm in you. And a person has a chush for that. You feel that. It's not something that has to be explained to you. There's a chush. So is it possible for a person who grew up his whole life without having this chush to develop a chush? Of course it's possible. Of course it's possible to develop a chush. And that's, that's what this is about. You know how many times I've heard people tell, I, I, I hate liquor. I can't stand any, anything with alcohol. It makes me sick. So, I've had, you know how many times I've had tell me, like, at a Shalom Zacher, like, you know, there's this thing, like, you know, guys, there's this thing with guys with the drinking. So, not all, but some, you know, a, 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 a loud minority uh, that takes it seriously. So... So I've, how many times people told me, Maisha, you know, you got to develop a taste. So I said, why do, I gotta, why do I have to develop a taste? I see, you know, I see mostly causes tsaris and khurban and divorces and, you know, a lot of problems in the world and, and embarrassment. You don't have to develop a taste. But can you develop a taste? There's just yes. You can develop a taste. And that's for what? For narishkeit. A person can develop a taste. Uh, it's beyond my understanding how any normal person could drink beer. I tasted it once at a baseball game, like it, like in 1968 or something, <laughs> for a second, and it tasted to me like the most foul, disgusting thing on earth. And like the guys are just, you know, you pass by and sometimes you see those that are not from our tribe going like with like with cartloads out from Costco. You ever see all these places? Like they're going like with a truck, and it's just like for one game with a couple of guys they're gonna watch. And how do you, how does that happen to some? 
You have to develop the taste. You know, you have to. You know, in other words, what I worked on this. This wasn't natural. <laughs> so if you, if a person can develop a taste for nourishment, for stupidity, for nourishment, for tumor, for nourishment, then Allah has come of a come a trillion times more so when it comes to what is inside of us. Hashem is inside of us, and we just have to learn how to get to that. Of course, we can develop a taste because it's us. You can develop a taste even for something that's outside of you. Of course, something that's you. So, so there are ways to do, go about doing that. He says, As we said, that you begin your avayda with trying to correct and straighten out your way of thinking. We have a lot of ways, and that's by learning Torah, obviously, and learning and learning and learning. There are many things that we just don't understand, that we, that we, that we, we have terrible, terribly distorted way of looking at things and mistakes that come from Whatever, we didn't learn properly. We didn't hear the truth about things. We didn't learn the truth. There are mistakes. So Vyadata is throughout one's life to learn and to understand. Shadvarm Yukwum Vyidum it should be Yidum Bamaikai. That should be something you know in your brain, the Sikhlai. Ulaachamikah afterwards. Laachashin is Yashwa Dram Hatev Hatev Hadek Bisikhlai. After, like, this whole, the, whole, the whole Sefer is teaching us about the, the Bayre, the Creator, and the Nivra, and that we're created by Him. So after a person reviews and reviews and thinks about this, and he accepts it in his mind as being the truth. He accepts it as being true. It makes sense to him, and he accepts this truth. Azai, then, You don't stop there. That's the problem. That we usually stop there. But... That's not the end. We have to continue. And then we work on to draw this and to bring this back into the heart. To coordinate the feelings of my heart with the truths that my mind has accepted. That's one's avoid in life. To coordinate my emotions with the truths that I accept. That I should feel that. Not just that I have to force myself to daven. I have to force myself not to say Lashon I have to force myself you know, to, 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 to be good and not to be bad. But I should, that it should be something which, which becomes part of who I am that is the most natural, <laughs> healthy feeling. It's a chush of who I am. That the emotions, the feelings of my heart should correspond and be attached to my mind, to my way of thinking. That we could accept the information from the brain without any blockage of the heart, without anything blocking and holding it back. So how does one do that? We're going to be talking about that also in the Matzah Shabbos with how we look at things with our eyes and how we hear things with our ears and how we breathe we're going to learn about how to purify our our organs, our body. How to purify the different parts of us. So, the purification of the heart, taharis halev. Taharis halev, that the heart should be able to be non-obstructed. Not to be obstructed, not to have blockages. But the heart should be able to absorb the the truths that our minds know, and that they should be able to penetrate and to saturate the heart. It's not going to work if, God forbid, the heart is 
is blocked. V'nikinum in Arlas Halev, as the Torah tells us, to remove the covering of the heart. Right? It's called the Arlas Halev, just like there's a covenant of the flesh, and to remove the skin of the bris mila. So too, the Torah says, Umaltimus which means to remove the covering of the heart. And there's a way to do that. There's a way to remove the covering of the heart because the heart is covered with many, many, many years of silliness and avarice and mistakes and so on. And how to remove the covering of the heart. That is preventing the truth from penetrating into the heart and from controlling our emotions. That even though we know something, we don't feel it, and therefore our emotions get schlepped into all kinds of crazy places. To being afraid of silly things, to loving silly things, to being to having a desire for, for dangerous, harmful things. Even though with our minds we know that, that we know that we shouldn't be that way. But because of the because of the um, blockages that are preventing the thoughts from marching forward into the heart, so therefore there, there's something else that's pulling us in our emotions. This is the only way to acquire anything in Avaidus Hashem and serving Hashem. First, you begin with knowing something. And, and and reviewing and thinking and knowing it. And And we spoke and to bring it into your heart, we spoke about this many times that you know, some of you might remember learning that uh, from a Psalter we spoke about this, how when Hashem offered the Torah at Harsina, you remember? He offered it to all the nations of the world. So that means he offered it to the you know the the um, the angelic, the the angelic, you know, representative uh, or embodiment of that nation. So you remember, so it says in the Chazal tells the Gemara says that Hashem offered it to to Esav and to Yishmael, and each was to so Then they asked, "What does it say in the Torah?" So Hashem says, "says in the Torah, don't kill." Right? So Esav says, "Off, oh, don't kill. We can't do that. I mean, we can't keep, we can't live that way because that's what you know. We do that. We do. That's what we do." So then it says by Yishmael, so don't don't uh, be immoral, you know, don't 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 commit adultery. You know, so Yishmael asks, what does it say in the Torah? We'll see. You know, so Hashem says, do you want the Torah? So well, what does it say in the Torah? So it says, don't commit adultery. So then Yishmael says, ah, oh, we can't, we can't live like that. And only Klai Yisrael said, what? Nasev and Yishmael. We accept it unconditionally. So Reb Sadiq and other Tzadikim ask, we spoke about this many times, and it doesn't seem to be fair, no? It seems like the like it's rigged, the uh, the game. Why? Because it's not it doesn't seem fair that Hashem knows that Asaph has like a big big problem with killing. You know that's the main problem that Asaph has. So when Asaph asked, Hashem says you want the Torah. So Asaph asked, what does it say in the Torah? So Hashem could have said it says in the Torah. You know you have orphan Shabbos and, and, and uh, you sing Zemirs with the family and and uh, honor your parents. Whatever different things you could have said over there. Asaph also honored his father. Could have said that, something like that. Hashem could have said that's what it says in the Torah. Why did Hashem say the one thing that they couldn't possibly keep? Right? That's not fair. Doesn't seem fair. And and and, 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 and thank God. So we answered Nasev and Ishma. But what if we would have asked, and Hashem would have said something, you know, funny, or one of the things that we have a hard time with, we would have said, you know, you, you know, 
don't have an, uh, an all cash business, you know, in your basement in Borough Park. That's what it says in my tire. So we say, oh, no, we, all, we can't do that. But tell me, that's that's what we do. We have we have businesses in our basements. So so thank God we didn't thank God we didn't ask, and we just said Nasevanishma, right? We said Nasevanishma. But is that fair that Hakadosh Baruch Hu asked that when they asked what says was it saying the one thing that they couldn't do? Hashem says that's what it says in the tire. So Tzaddik explains that's not true. What does the Gemara mean? It's the deepest thing he said. Sadiq said that the Rabbani Shalom said Kalatar Kula. He said the entire Torah to the nations. But all that nation heard was that thing that they couldn't live with. Just like me and you. That's all they heard. That's all they heard. Like the, like the old song that I've mentioned many times, a man hears what he wants to hear and disregards the rest. In other words, there's a blockage. See, children hear everything. Children, they feel the Baruch Shalom because their hearts are unclouded and uncovered and uncomplicated. They're not committed to any particular way of thinking and feeling, and therefore, they're open. They're open to prophecy. They're open to everything. But adults have so many different fears and so many different commitments intellectually and emotionally to certain things that we're not open. And because of that, Hashem said, to Esav Yishmael and the other nations when they asked what is the said everything all the mitzvahs everything beautiful all the mitzvahs and included is of course so the din you can't kill and you can't but, but all the other mitzvahs but, but, a, but all they heard was ah you hear that you hear what he's saying he's saying that we can't steal what does he want from us how can we live that way just like I mentioned when I, when I said over this at Tzaddik many times that it's happened to me so many times <coughs> over the years where I where I would be giving a shir someplace, and I'm talking about something, whatever it is, Hanukkah to Bishvat, and and you know, and, and then and then there'll be like when I in certain places you talk, so then there's a question answer thing. If this, so somebody raised the hand, yes. So there'll be some lady that will say, but but how do you explain based upon what you just taught? How do you explain the bracha of Shalom Asani Isha? How is it possible that, that that God could say that we should that a man should thank him for not making him a woman? How could that be? So I was I wasn't talking I was talking about you know Tubishvat or something or Hanukkah. <laughs> I wasn't talking about Shlomo Sanishim. I wasn't talking about anything like dangerous, like you know nothing that could nothing that could that could bring up the subject of men, women, you know those those in Yana that that that, that uh, you know are so touchy that they cause new types of Yiddishkeit to be created. So I I I wasn't talking about that. So what's that? Why why are you what are you asking me like? But I know what that is because this person has that Indian. That's her Indian. Her Indian, for whatever reason, it's not her fault. Over the years, what she studied, what she heard, what she felt, what, what happened to her, whatever it is. Everybody's a tackle of a million things. So whatever it is, she's come to the conclusion that, that, the, that women have the raw deal. And, and therefore, even though you could be talking to her about Hanukkah and saying, we're making latkes and, 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 and everybody's happy and we're going to spin the dreidel. And she says, yeah, but then how could God make so? So, so the Torah says, that's her one part, that's her one Indian. That's, she, the whole Yiddish guy comes down to one sentence in this Seder. She doesn't even understand what that means. But even if you explain to her, there's no need to explain to her. Because she's, she's been going for the last 30 years. At every single speech she goes to, excuse me, excuse me, how do you explain association? As if she's waiting for the answer. There never will be the answer. You know why? Because she has a covering over her heart. Her heart is blocked. 
And because of that, she can't keep Shabbos, she can't keep Mitzvah. There are many other things that come along with that. Oftentimes she can't get married. There are things that are being blocked because she has that Indian of her life that's covering her heart. And, and because of that, the person, because of this obstruction, so if you would say to her, without getting fancy, I'm not have to tell you over all kinds of Ramchals and Svasamases and of course, do you think that God, what do you think, God hates women or something? Do you, what do you think that he has like a, you think that God is a human being that has like these inyanim? That you know, uh, that there's something like that? That the, the, all, the, the Almighty himself, the, the infinite one has such silly smallness like that he makes him like that? So the person would say, you know, maybe intellectually, I guess you're right. It seems odd that, that the master of the universe would, would descend into such silliness. And yet, they can't go on. And she'll go like that for 20, 30 years at every single lecture with the same question. And when you ask her, how come, how come you're not keeping mitzvahs? So how come you can't? What's the matter with Yiddishkeit? Any religion that would have a brach like that, I can't. I can't. I can't live that way. It's, it's not, uh, what, kind of, what, kind of, what kind of religion is that? That, that has, that's not, it's not an intellectual thing. The heart, the heart. As, and I'm giving extreme examples, but it's like that with all of us. That's why the nations of the world couldn't receive the Torah. The Bereshalom loves most about his children, that's us, the Jewish people, is that our, is that our hearts are, are open. We have open hearts. We're ready to hear the Bereshalom. But, but when, a, when a Jew, over the years, accumulates schmutz and, 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 and all kinds of things that begin to cover the heart, so that you can't even think straight, that your whole thinking, and even if you have the right idea, and even if you hear a gewaldige explanation, you hear the right shear, and this is the answer, right? as if that's why we're not being good Jews, because we didn't get the answer. So you hear the right answer, or a good answer. I thought, it doesn't do it for you. Why doesn't it do it for you? You said you're looking for the answer. Here's the answer. No. Because the heart is what the heart is covered. And the, all kinds of things, like I was talking about before, that when a person grows up in a home where they're very controlling parents, very tough parents, so then the heart has a certain inclination, and there's a certain klipa, there's a certain shell on the heart that has a terrible, terrible time dealing with anybody telling me this or telling me that, and it's understandable. But it's not a matter of the intellect. It's, it's a question of what covering is there. And and what could be done to remove the covering? The covering in general, of course, is Amalek. That's always the covering. And that's why Amalek was so <coughs> was so against the, the bris milah. Kavan had made fun of the bris. And it has to do with the pleistum also. There's, that's a very big Indian Torah that we've spoken about over the years. But this is this is the Avaida, Avashevai Se'elavavecha. So look, let's continue in Sadiq Dalit. So he says... The way of crossing over from knowing something to feeling something. That's what we're looking for. We want to cross over. First you have to know something. First you have to know what the truth is. And you have to you have to drive it into your into your mind and repeat it and to learn it and to go deeper to understand what does it mean. But then you want to cross over from knowing to feeling. Right? You want to transfer something from the brain and you want to inject it into the heart to give chiyas to the heart. To, to give the heart life. To enliven the heart. There are two ways to do this. These are two ways 
But if you don't work and you don't use them, and then he's going to give us examples of how to apply them. If you don't actually do it, then it's just another piece of information, of course. There are two ways. Aleph. Ribuya Hashiva means by reviewing and thinking about something over and over and over and over. Constantly thinking about it. That's the only way. A passing thought or, or a little bit of a thought about something, that's not going to change the way you feel. It has to be a persistent, persistent thought. Constantly part of one's thinking. If you want to acquire something in your heart, you have to you have to mamish you have to it has to be so much a part of your thinking and over and over. Hasmada Sahashiva binyan says manra for a long time. For a long time. That's what he was saying, we were learning that last time. And we've seen this from that. When it comes to the Yisaitis of Aramuna, there are 13 fundamental principles of faith that we have from the Rambam. It's a scary thing. If you go home after this year and look in the, in the Siddur, or in the Rambam, and you see the 13 principles of our belief. Right? It means what it means to be a Jew. The 13 basic principles. And then read them and ask yourself how much some total time of your life has been spent thinking about them. It's scary, right? Four and a half minutes, 18 minutes, you know, like a matzah, something. <laughs> minutes. But you know these things. You, 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 and you might have even said them in the Siddha a thousand times. But you know what the 13 principles of faith are. And you read them. And you look, how much time have we spent thinking about them? In our minds, going over them, over and over, thinking about them. The average from person. Very little. In his entire life, you could add the minutes. Thinking about them. And, and yet we all know intellectually that these are the basic principles of being a Jew. And we all, we all say that we're Orthodox Jews. We're religious Jews. To be a religious Jew, you would think that the 13 principles of what your religion is would be something which is, a very, which is very, very much a part of your thinking. And that you think about them, and that you wonder, and you wonder, and you think, and you, you try to understand, and you go over in your mind. So it's embarrassing for us to admit, which is a hard thing, to admit that we really haven't given much thought to these things. We haven't given much thought to these things. Which is the main reason why it's not something that we feel, and that a person, even being a mature 30, 40, 50, whatever it is, year old Orthodox Jew, can come up with such ridiculous things like... Why would God care, you know, if I swam with my husband together or wife together? Like, you know, these kind of things. Or what does God care if I see this thing occasionally, a movie like this or like that? Where does that come from? Such svaris that are so, that are so bizarre for an orthodox person to say, what does God care? When he's told us in a million places that he cares. And, and, even, and, and if you just read the 13 Ikarim, that if you don't believe that God cares about what a Jew thinks and what a Jew watches then you, God forbid, and not be cursed. You're a heretic. And yet Orthodox people could say, could God really care about that? How does that happen? That you don't feel that God cares about, about that? Things that you think are small, silly, what? Because we don't think about the, the principles of, of Yiddishkeit. And that God cares about every single thing that we do and think and, and what we say. 
So it requires to begin with hasmada sachashiva means as man rav. You have to think about it a lot. It can't be just a passing thought. A person could set aside time each day, whatever it is, a minute or two, three minutes, to think about these things, to go over them and to think, and to, really to think deeply. He brings us the Ramchal said that at least an hour a day should be spent on his brain. So we don't, we don't know what that means. Did you, did you see, did you see the, the article? I need to see the article on Hamadiyah a couple of weeks ago on the life of the Ribnitzer. Did you see it? No, nobody saw that? Oh, wasn't that amazing? It was just unbelievable. The Ribnitzer was in our times. I was lucky to see him on a number of occasions. The Tzaddik the Ribnitzer. It said, it said in the article, my wife and I were talking about this last Friday night, he said in the article that every single weeknight, not Shabbos, but every single weeknight, the Rebbe would say, Tikkun Chatzais, the midnight prayers, and he would cry for six hours over the Chorban, every night, weekday night of his life, for six hours. I don't know, what does that mean? What does that mean? What, do you, to, what does that mean to be able, you could understand maybe like once for ten minutes on Tisha B'Av or something, what does it mean? Six hours? Like, what's 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 the news? What, what news came in today? Like, what are you thinking about? But al uh, We don't have a hergish for the shechina. What does it mean, the divine presence? What does it mean to be a Jew? What's it like without neviim? What's it like without yushalayim? What's happened? To, we don't have an understanding of it. That a person can think about something that brings him to to cry bitter tears for six hours every night. And not only that, you'd say, but for a person like that, wouldn't the time be better spent like learning or something? Or, or, or whatever? And, you know, he's a huge time. What, 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 like six hours every night. That's what his Shabbos, the people that were with him said this was his Avayda every night. <coughs> Except Shabbos and that was his Avayda. Can't, to hold, to, to be able to think about something and to enter it, in, and to enter into it so deeply, it's very, very hard for us. It's very hard. That's why I told you that my daughter said that she heard someplace or she read somewhere that that the articles are all being shortened in the newspaper. That they used to say that, you, that they used to take the journalists to write 200, 200 words, 2,000 words, and I said 200. And they're making it short because people can't hold cup. They can't concentrate, they can't hold cup. They can't think for that long. If a person's watching a movie, and within, within four minutes, there's, there's not, you know, somebody wasn't killed, or, some, or, or everybody's still dressed, then they're going to turn it off. <laughs> it's not Kedai, right? So, p- people can't hold cup. You try to give a kid nowadays, you know, I'm not saying that this is a mitzvah to do, I'm saying, but, but a kid, an average kid nowadays, you give him to read, like, you know, uh, War and Peace or something. You give him a book. So first of all, if you ask the kids that what's going on, they'll tell you that what there's not. They're not. It used to be when I was in high school, when I was in school. So we read the book, and then some people would buy the monarch notes a little bit to look, right? You know what I'm talking about. Everybody knows what I'm talking. About. So you looked at the monarch. They don't even bother anymore. Now it's not even the, the monarch notes is also what a whole booklet. So they just try to get like the movie. Get the, get, get the video of, uh, you know, whatever, Pride and Prejudice, War and Peace, or any of the other things. Just, you know, get me out. I can't, what are you, a book? 
because it's very, very hard. Because if you open up the novel, you ready, you know, I read it's a page and a half. There are no pictures. And and, and and what's he talking about? Like he's describing a tree for two pages. Right? You can go out of your mind over here, right? That's where we're heading to. That's what's going on now. This horrible, horrible inability to to think about something and to sustain a thought. It's unbelievable. And we could we could make jokes and laugh, but the the the, the damaging effect that this has. And our Yiddishkeit is unbelievable. And our whole Avedis Hashem is in shambles because of our, of our inability and our being raised in a country in, in our times where everything has to be in such a way. Right, right before you are right now. And that we can't sustain a machshava. And this is something that requires a machshava. To think, but a chashiva, he says, Hasmod is a chashiva. So first of all, a person should set aside time for that. <coughs> a few minutes. Ah, Tevam Chal spoke about it. Now it's Tzadikin spoke about it. But a few minutes <coughs> a day of his bindingness, of thinking. Vehein la'erach kol hayoyin. And then during the day, lachshav achas desman muat every now and then to stop and to think. He says kireva shal erach, fifteen minutes. But even if it's not fifteen minutes, to stop and to think. We don't do that. Stop and think. The only time you can find yourself stopping your thing is like when something's annoying you, you see your chazer over your head 20 times. I can't believe that she didn't invite me to the Shabbat office. Then you can think about it for 20 times. And you go over it in every single tzad. Why didn't she invite me? There's this like a rashi, a taste, a pshat. And because maybe this happened like that, that happened like that. That you can think about for, you know, like you can think about the whole day. But when it comes to his abundance and avoid Hashem, you can't think for, for 10 seconds. To, to at least even if it's not this time but you set aside should be time set aside for thinking about something deeply but then during the day even if it's a machshava kala just a little a moment this report just to remember to stop and to remember to remember this that you what it is that you're trying to acquire in a particular way of thinking so that's the first thing constant thinking or at least setting aside time for thought and then referring back to that thought in the course of a day every now and then for a second or two referring back to the thought but that the thought should be something every one of us has to be living with a project in our vitus Hashem always there's no such thing that at any time in life if someone says what do you work what's your vitus Nothing, or everything. There can't be. There has to be something you're working on. And that thing that you're working on, Bifat, we try to keep everything, but that you're working on specifically, you have to be thinking about it. Thinking about it. There has to be time for thinking about it. That's the first thing. Bayes, it's not enough to think. You have to articulate and verbalize over and over. Not for other people to hear, of course, for yourself. Over and over, that's how all the tzaddikim got close to Hashem. They didn't just leave it in their heads, because Dibur speech, as we've learned many, many, many times over the years, and he'll talk about, which we'll learn more over here, over the next few pages. Hashem made speech, the essence of a person, is the, of a human being, is the ability to speak. And when I say something over and over again, it draws it down from the theoretical into the world of that which is practical and which I can mamish feel. So speaking and saying it over and over again, because the heart has a tremendous, the, the mouth, I'm sorry, speech has a tremendous to awaken the heart. 
just a little bit more. He says, I'm going to give you examples. Examples just, obviously this is left up to us. But like always, he's going to say, I want to just give you an example of, what you could, of, of a guideline, a certain way that you could approach this. A way of thinking. So we're talking now about how to acquire, how to acquire this belief. The subject now is in hashgacha practice. That Hashem is, is the balabais. You're not. Hashem controls your life. You don't. It is also up to Hashem. So we can do this very quickly, mamish, for two minutes. This paragraph. So he says, he just gives an example. And again, if someone is not in this parish, in this sugi of trying to work on this, this might sound silly, but there's the aside of being a Jew. We spoke about this a little bit a few weeks ago, but now he goes into this in a practical assignment for homework of what we could use. But you could use anything you like. He just gives an example. A guy, person sitting in his house. It's quiet. It's not, it's not, uh, this, none of these thinking projects, of course, are going to work when there's a tumult. It means you have a little bit of quiet. You're not busy with other things. You turned off all your, your, your machines, all your phones and beepers and all your things, messages, nothing. Quiet. You start to think. Who lives in this house? Who lives here? In this place? If you're fortunate and you, and you have a situation like that, then you could say, then if, if, if that's what it is, you say, okay, I live here with my wife, and if God's help, if there's a husband, a wife, and children, okay, and you go through the names of each person, and so on. Now, you think. Who determined that this should be my wife? Did I, did I, uh, was I the one who determined that I was going to meet this person and feel whatever I felt and think whatever I thought that I should meet and that I should marry this person? That I was able to marry this person? Was it me that, that, that determined that or was it the one above Hashem? And you ask yourself, you ask Mamish out, out loud to yourself and you say, you ask this to yourself. And you answer, And everything they say is true. That 40 days before, that 40 days before the conception of the baby, before the Yitzhiyah of Lad, that there's a voice that, that calls out from Shemaim and says that this is a shidduch between so and so and so. That's what Hashem revealed to Chazal. That, the, that, there's a, that there's a basco. That the match is made in heaven. Only Hashem could, only Hashem could, could decide who's going to be my zivik. I didn't determine this. I didn't decide this. It looked to me, from my from the perspective of this world, which we think is it, that it was up to me. Or not a thing, but that's Bechlal not true. Ba'ku Yisbaruch Shemai. Only Hashem, may His name be blessed. Me'ati imkain, nitzvah shiyeh barali. Me'kevan, so it has to be clear to me. Me'kevan shizivugi zanikvah rak me'ita Yisbaruch Shemai. Since Hashem determined that I'm going to marry this person. Harishakol ha'talodis. Of course, a person only says it after you're married. You don't say that before you marry. Right? That, that's not for now. That's a person. I'm talking about when a person has made a decision, even after one makes the decision and they're married. If God forbid, there are reasons according to the chacham, according to the halacha, 
that this is a bit a dangerous situation and it's not good for you know that there's a parish of getting divorced. So I'm not talking about extreme situations, but a normal situation with God's help. Sorry, what? Shakala told us and the person thinks like this. After you say, well, the only one that can make this match is Hashem. He made the match. <coughs> and even and even if it turns out you married in a wrong way, that, that still means that that was that, that was Bashir. It's just it's just a question of whether you should remain it or not. That's something else. Then a person has to then think everything that comes out from this match, if there are, thank God, if there are children. Not only the children, but the children's children and all future generations. Could be thousands and thousands of people with God's help. The Rabbim Haim Lamai could be many, many, many people. Everything is, is from Hashem. There's no such thing. A person can do something, he doesn't realize the consequences. When Hashem made that match between us and our wives, our husbands and wives, Hashem made that match. So it's not that Rabbi Shalom said, I didn't know they were going to have such a kid. Oh, I didn't know this was going to turn out with the grandchild. No, no such thing. There's no such thing. That's why so many of you I know have, have, have heard the parenting types, those shiurim that I give on parenting. And one of the yisaitis of what we were talking about then was to be able to accept that this is the child and that this child was meant for you and that no one who ever existed since the creation of the world could bring up this child except you. But you don't feel that way when it's not working out with a kid. You feel like, I, I, I'm so sad because you would have done much better with somebody else. I would be, I would be better, you would be better. I don't know why I don't know why we got stuck in this thing because I don't know how to take care of you and you don't know how to treat me as a as, as a parent. That's the worst mistake in the world. The Shalom, when he made the Zivik, everything, all the Talvas, all the the future generations. Element Khila Hakal Mamish is seen by Hashem. And that is Hashem's rotsnit, his will. All of the children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. They're absolutely God's complete and total will and desire. Not some accident, not some mistake. Not some, some whatever I didn't think I was going to have. All of that is in our, in our Michigan way of thinking, uh, falling into this delusion of, of, of us being the Balabatim. I'm going to have a kid, I'm not going to have a kid. All of that is our delusion. Everything the Rabbanishim is the Ratz Hashem. And if a person thinks about this, and he goes on, we're not going to have time now, and we'll continue to think more and more and more on everyday things in life, the simplest things in life that one could take for that day and use as a machshava, as a Hizbanis, as a meditation. There are millions and millions of opportunities in our lives to do this all the time. And your whole life begins to change. When you when you begin to think this way, your your life your life starts to change. So Mitch, we can continue.